night, Ben. Well, God bless you. God bless you. May I ask you a question? You yes, may. we are on the air, but yes, go ahead. I, well, I'm not going to ask anything terrible. <laughs> I'm sure I've been asked worst on the air, so go no, for it. No, no. What is your maiden name? So th this is a great story. So my maiden name is Schneiderman. 12 letters, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-M-A-N. And when I was in high school, I told all my friends I was going to marry a man with a four-letter oh, last you, you told, name, you told, you told, and you I you, manifested you, you, Roth. So there we go. You, okay, you, God bless you. God bless you. God it bless was you. pretty much with every, whatever guy had that uh, simple name. <laughs> and no, was, I, would oh, like I, I dated every Levy and Gold that you could I find I want to know there. also <laughs> some more questions, some more answers, <laughs> questions and answers, if I may. What, if, if I may. Are your parents living? They are not. Unfortunately, both of them have passed. You are very young to have neither living parent. Yeah, it was really a sad situation. My mom passed the day after her 51st birthday from oh leukemia. My oh, my God. I am so sorry. Yeah, and my father passed in a freak accident at 77. And I actually have a, a whole legacy planning product called Future File that helps you organize your wishes and information that was based on a prototype that my dad created for us that mm. we used to, you know, kind of help us through when he went through this situation. So this I is how we sort of so get back to people. Sorry, my God, that is yeah. horrifying. And wh where was your dad from, if I may ask? He was from the west side of Chicago. He was in a Jewish gang called the Funny Fellows on the west side of Chicago. And what, what was his occupation? What, what was his nominal occupation? <laughs> it's the only Jewish electrician that you've ever no, met. No, 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 no. <laughs> no actually, actually, we have quite a few of them in Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> no, we have quite, quite a few of them. And where did he, where did his father grow up? Uh, so his father grew up on the west side of Chicago as well. Yeah. And he died also very young. And my dad moved in with my grandmother, who also, you know, she, she, she was kind of the, the only grandparent that we knew. Um, and he lived with her until he was 36 years old. Wow. Yeah. And how old were you, were, were, was your dad when you were born? Uh, 37. <laughs> So he married my mom and then he moved, they moved out uh, in, into a place. So right away. And my wow. mom, my mom was 11 years younger than my dad. So, and yeah. how so now everybody been, knows my family is. How long have you been married? So we have been this October, it will be 25 years of, of together, 23 of marriage. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. And we, and by the way, we still, we still love each other. We're still best friends. Yes. And you, ba you listen, you base your schedule on your husband, which I think is incredibly yes. <laughs> uh, romantic and amazing. Thank and you. Uh, so does Ben for that matter. He uh, tries to be with wifey as much as humanly possible. And he cooks for her every night, which I find to be beautifully romantic. Every single night. And uh, well, I do not, I do not do that for my husband, unfortunately. Well, no, but, he but does ben, it. I make a great reservation. <laughs> but, but if I may ask you a question, yes. Why don't you cook for your husband? Um, I pretended that I didn't know how to cook so that I wouldn't <laughs> have to do that every day of my life. And now if I ever make anything, I'm a hero. It's all about setting those expectations. I, can I say something? Together. I agree with you 100% as, <laughs> as the single person in the group. I've 
I, my rule with dating used to be you work from the bottom and you work your way up. You exactly. know, the best exactly. first date place is like Johnny Rockets. And if you earn your way up, some expensive meal. And that's why I'm single. And if you just tuned in, you are I love listening. Johnny Rockets. <laughs> if, you, if, if you just tuned in, you are listening to the well, world according. Yes, Ben. My first date with Big Wifey was at a very, very nice restaurant. Tra uh, Trader Vic's. Very, very nice place. Oh, very nice. Uh, have you ever heard of it? Yes. My husband actually, when he was in college, worked there during a summer. They they are they are known for their Mai Tais. But and I, I know that only from the movie Argo. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according <laughs> to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. And you know what? We're here to entertain you. And part of entertaining is finding out about people and knowing about people's lives. And it's something I've learned from Ben Stein, and I shared this the other night. He's the only celebrity or icon or iconoclast you will ever meet who will know more about you after meeting than they will know about him. And uh, but I'm not through asking Carol a few questions. Let's let's intro the show. No, no, okay, okay. So that way okay, I can. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. The that's world according to Ben Stein. And we're joined fine. tonight by Carol Roth, who you don't even need to Google now. You know everything about her. But by her latest selling book, The War on Small Business. And uh, welcome back as always. And uh, you're truly a guest, Ben Stein loves. And uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, uh, or Ben's heart. And <laughs> of course, uh, Ben Stein, economist, uh, multi Emmy award winning actor, presenter, everything, former speech writer, to, speech writer to two presidents. And had he believed in Reagan, it would have been a third. And uh, of course, husband, but most importantly, Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. And I just have to tell you, so you know, I have a, a fairly um, decent Twitter following. I have about 140,000 followers on oh Twitter. Oh my God, that's phenomenal! And every time I put out that I am coming on with you, people are so excited, Ben. Everybody adores you. They love oh, hearing what they have kind. to say. Well, no, I'm I'm not kind. I'm just telling you the truth. This somebody just said in the this, somebody so. just said on our Rumble rants, we need more carols. So there you go. We I need mean, more Bens. I we need more carols and we need more of the people in the rants because we love you. Ben, go ahead with the questioning since you're enjoying this so much. Well, what I want to know, if I may ask this question is, how old were you when you started dating the man who was to become Mr. Your husband? Let Mr. me figure Ron. this out, Carol. You were 24. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I was 24 years old. I was 19. Let's let's just make sure. Yeah, it was 1997. So, yeah, it was, I was 24 years old when we met. What, what a was guess. it? That was damn good. What was it about him that struck you as making you want to marry him? <laughs> so this is a sort of a, an interesting thing. You know how they always say when you know, you know, and everyone's like, oh, come on, that doesn't mean anything. But But I really believe there's something to that. When I met my husband, Kurt, it was the first time that I just felt like myself. I wasn't playing a game. I wasn't acting. I wasn't putting on a persona. I wasn't trying to adjust to, you know, somebody else's thing. I was just, he just made me a better me. And it was just, that became the, the right fit. And, you know, fortunately, I, I started dating quite young. So I had had some experience. I knew I, that. How you know, old were you when you started dating? probably like 14 years old. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I dated and, you know, met a lot of really great people, but, you know, not people I wanted to spend my life with. And why, and then, why, why, why do you think you started dating at such a young age? 
I liked boys. What else is there to do in I, high school, Ben? Well, Come well, on. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. I went to an all-boys high school, so th there was no dating at that young age in my high school. Ben, I, I got to say something extremely interesting. Uh, you know how we often play this game on the show, who has Ben Stein met or not met? And we were driving the other day, and... Uh, I had asked him, my favorite actor is probably Kurt Russell. And I said, have you ever met Kurt Russell? And, he, and Ben said, yes. And I said, and where? And they met at Montgomery Blair's high Montgomery school. Montgomery Blair High School reunion. Because Those Goldie Hawn, it, it was it was an alumni. She and, one year behind me. And uh, he, he got to meet Kurt Russell at that uh, alumni. Yeah. And I think that's pretty awesome uh but let's get to a little can I, can I ask ben a question yeah ask him anything okay. you'd like so obviously ben we all loved your game show and i'm a huge game show aficionado so putting your own game show aside what's your favorite other game show hmm, good question i can't uh well you love jeopardy well let me back up i love jeopardy except for the fact that mr Mr. Uh, Alex was quite rude to me uh, the first uh, uh, time I met him. He was extremely rude to me and rude and condescending. And that just sort of uh, turned me off about him. So uh, uh, I'd have to think about that one. I can't, I can't think of any right offhand, but uh, I will say I hardly, my wifey, big wifey and I hardly watch any television at all except reruns of Perry Mason from the 50s ah, and nice. 60s. We, we watched some of those as well. <laughs> we are obsessed with Perry, Lieutenant Tragg, D.A. Berger, Hamilton Berger. Miss uh, Street. I got Della Street. Who, I think the young Della Street was the most beautiful woman in the world. Uh, let's see, uh, Paul Drake, who's a detective. Uh, it's just a show that we love beyond what we can possibly express and uh wifey and i uh lie in bed watching it for hour after hour and uh we we have no problem whatsoever watching the same episode two or three times and uh, do you expect just... different results no, <laughs> do you, do you know who it. did it <laughs> i often don't remember who did it i often don't remember who did no it. what's funny is somebody asked a question and i asked this to ben because i'm a huge fan in the ranters Ben is not a Jack, wasn't a Jackie Gleason honeymooner fan. I'm a huge Jackie Gleason, I, the big guy. I absolutely love them, but Ben is not. And thank you for the question and the rants. But um, I, I have to ask on Perry Mason though. Did you know that HBO had a sort of an origin story with Matthew Reese, um, a, a new series on Perry Mason that was kind of his origin story? Um, probably like a year ago, it came out. I knew nothing about that whatsoever. What did it? What, what do you mean origin story? I mean, how the show came to be made? Yeah, so how he became, you know, this you know sort of detective personality. So it's with Matthew Reese, who's an outstanding actor who's in The Americans, and it's on uh, HBO. You can find it if you subscribe to HBO. And he was he also known to everything we've done out of years ago. He was also he was also known as a, a very big teller of tall tales. Uh, oh. Uh, 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 I'm blanking on his name right now. Perry. Uh, uh, yeah, Perry Mason. Um, but what a wonderful actor. 
And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are right, listening <laughs> to events. the world according to Are there any wars going on? Uh, it, no, but I, I wanted uh, tonight's name of the episode is, and I think you'll both appreciate this, Donald Trump, the great MAGA king of Chicago. And um, I think you might, uh, Ben, I that's don't a, get that. I don't it's get it's that. a Ferris oh, Bueller. Come on. Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. And I couldn't help but think to myself, man, this guy has taken up a lot of space in Joe Biden's head. It went from MAGA to ultra MAGA to MAGA king. And the more and more I think about it, Ben, uh, the fact that the election was stolen and that Trump lost uh you dare say such a thing uh i've often oh my god you are unbelievable um call my lawyer i've often (laughs) i've i've often say it's a win and what we're witnessing now is one big game of whack-a-mole except they're not actually whacking the moles the moles are just there there there's no whack of the moles with all the issues that are going on ben and uh I was just thinking about this today is the baby formula thing, the shortage of baby formula. And you would think that my Putin, phone, please. you would think that Pete Buttigieg being the mother that he is and the head of the supply chain would uh, would be on this. And there's there never seems to be anybody, Ben, to resolve any of these issues. I've never well, witnessed anything like this in my life. Well, let me just go. I'm glad you brought that up because I was hoping we would get to that subject. What I find extremely interesting is we are concerned about a shortage of baby formula at the grocery store or supermarket or wherever you go. So we're concerned about children being hungry and crying, but we are not concerned about killing them by putting them basically in a garbage disposal and grinding them up into little pieces. And that is called a right to life. Whereas if you don't let them have the, the right amount of baby formula or the right kind of baby formula, then you are a terrible, terrible person. But if you murder in the most sadistic way imaginable and the most helpless and innocent of human beings on the planet, an unborn child, then you're a hero. And that to me is genuinely sickening. It is extremely reminiscent of the Third Reich, in which the Third Reich said, basically said, Jews and certain other people as well are subhuman and nothing that is done to them is bad enough. Nothing. In fact, and and it's very similar also to what Stalin did to the Ukrainians, by the way, in 1932-33 when he was purposely trying to starve the Ukrainians to death and he would get memos every night about what, what, uh, how many thousands of Ukrainians had been murdered that day by his secret police or his Red Army. And he would write in the, in the margins, still not enough. And uh, I think this is something that's going on here in the Democrat Party, in which they there's just, say there's just not enough babies to kill. And why do they want to kill these babies? Margaret Sanger, thought that her reason for doing it, for starting Planned Parenthood, was to keep down the population of black people. That was explicit. That was not a secret. That was not some kind of coy subterfuge. That was her purpose, to keep the population of America as white as possible. Somehow that has gotten lost, and she has become a hero of women's rights. 
Well said. And Carol, I was going to name the show something else tonight, but I thought it would be too crude and people might not get it. But I was going to say, you know how uh, your former mayor uh, tagged the, you know, tagged the line, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm. I thought they were going to the Democrats were or the leftists were going to say, well, this is the baby formula shortage is a perfect reasoning for abortion. Uh, we have too oh many. Oh, my God, that's too that's too brilliant. There's such yeah. a thing as being too brilliant. That is so horrific. Only only the Democrats could think of that. Uh, yeah, so let, I, let me get let me get to the baby formula issue, because um, it's one that I'm a little bit more comfortable with. Um, you know, one of the things that is very frustrating under this administration that was very different the last administration is, you know, not putting America first. And there have been reports of all of this baby formula, which is being shipped to Ukraine. There's reports of baby formula that is being sent to the border where people are illegally coming into the country. Yes. So, you know, my question is, and obviously, you know, we don't want to have any babies who are starving, but, you know, if we're, you know, why are we not putting our country first. We, you know, if, they, if there has to be a substitution, why is that not happening somewhere else? Why are we in the middle of the crisis, just like every other crisis? Why are we canceling oil and gas leases when we have an ed- energy crisis, when we have a baby absolutely, formula crisis? Why are we sending right. this away? It's insane. Absolutely right. What it is incredible, beyond belief, stupid, and anti-American, and pro. Uh, what shall I say? I would have said pro-Soviet, but there, there supposedly is no more Soviet Union. That's a laugh. But that's, uh, of course, the idea that in the midst of a severe energy shortage, we are making it harder, almost in fact, almost impossible to drill for new energy sources. It's just, it's unbelievable. How can anyone be so stupid? I mean, is it possible that he is that stupid? Or is this some kind of clever trick that's being played on the people of the United States by the Bolsheviks in the administration. A, tr- a trick by the Bolsheviks. And I, I want to go to you, to, to, uh, to you, Carol, with this question, because I'm really not familiar with this. And maybe Ben is. I don't think anybody is. But nobody's asked the question. I've heard. Why is there a shortage on baby formula? What special thing is in there that they're not able to create baby formula. I mean, it stands to reason there's obviously an ingredient. They're one ingredient short. Again, to your America first thing, to Ben's thing, when you think about it, we're at a a wartime with this supply chain crisis. Why are we not? Look what Trump did with getting people um, hand sanitizers, hand sanitizers, the 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 breathing. I'm having a uh, breathing, the, 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 the intubation tubes, right? No, no, yeah, those massive machines that I mean, companies were making everything. What is it that we can't have an American you mean company? Respirators. Res, was it the respirators? Yeah, thank you. What is it, Carol, that they can they cannot figure out to have an American company make this? How hard could baby formula? And maybe I'm an idiot. Be to make. <laughs> Well, first of all, I think it's funny that Ben asked if Biden was being clever. I don't think that anyone's ever put Biden and clever in the same sentence before. So congratulations for being the first to do so. Um, You know, the baby formula issue in part has to do with the fact that there was a recall from one of the the manufacturers and they had a bacterial issue in there. Um, I am certainly not an expert on babies or formulas, but following some of the pediatricians that I do on Twitter, it seems like there 
has to be this sort of perfect blend of vitamins. No, this is serious. To the extent that if you overdo it, you can actually hurt the baby. Right. But if you underdo it, they're not getting the right types of nutrients. So that's the supplement that you're, you're going in. And that's why they're advising people not to try to make it on their own because, you know, it's not like hand sanitizer, right? We're, we're feeding children and, and having um, an impact on their development. So well, that's but, really funny. But, but going back to capitalism, this this is all about reducing barriers because I'm sure that it's not an easy thing with FDA approvals and whatever to set up and be able to come into the market and supplement this, no pun intended. And so I think that's part of, you know, of the issue we've seen time and time again. Every time they put up barriers, we end up with these issues. When they take them down, more supply comes to the market. Ben, women are literally before you. Ben, women are sharing their frozen breast milk. I'm not kidding around either, and I guess that could be a great business for women, like breastfeeding Uber milk, um, uh, uh, Uber breastfeeding milk. But women, this is what women are actually doing right now, and uh, this is where we are, Ben. Star. Well, I, I again go back to this issue as. How, how, your issue, I will simply replay your issue. We figured out a way to make a hydrogen bomb. We figured out a way to make ICBM. If Israel figured out a way to shoot down, literally shoot down a bullet in midair, and they cannot figure out a way to make baby formula, this is just preposterous. And it obviously speaks to, speaks volumes to the incredible incumbents of the FDA. Yeah, you're completely right. And the word was ventilators. Thank you. And the ranters, <laughs> that was the word I was looking for. Ventilators. Trump got all those uh, ventilators. Uh, is that made. today's secret password is ventilators? Is, is that today's secret <laughs> but, but, you know, Ben, you raise a great point. And, 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 and so do you, Carol, of course. But uh, we're talking about this uh, regime right now. And there could anybody whatever your opinion on the jab is we it, it, by carol's metric on what she just said we still wouldn't have to have a vaccine if this regime was there this the 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 the, the they would not have sped up the fda approval they would not have put all the companies together with abbott to create the the testing we'd still be very much like they were in the 1980s when the aids epidemic hit and we'd be two and a half years in until they learned how to test. That's just my humble opinion of these. And then they jack- ship them all to, to the Ukraine. They take the badges and say, well, they need them first. That's uh, quite possible. And uh, if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world. According to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein, uh, Perry Mason's biggest fan. Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. And uh, I, I got to get to something that, that uh, first of all, this January 6th thing, Ben, it just won't stop. I, mean, I am, it, you know, you have obviously been reading my mind because that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. I mean, you might as well, Ben, just just summon everybody. I mean, just, just uh, bring everybody there because everybody seems to be, there was this massive cabal that happened in a four hour stretch where everybody was in on this, whatever this thing is. And they just won't. It, 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 they just won't let it go, Ben. I mean, it, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm reminded. Uh, thank you very much for bringing it up. Uh, of uh, Roland Freisler, 
Uh, if you know who Roland Fleischer was, Carol, I'm going to be damned impressed. I'm I, do, impressed I, do I do. I do not. I do not. I'm sorry. Who is? No, no. You today. forgot to ask it the right way. I'm who very, is? Very, who is? Right? Who is Roland <laughs> Fleischer? I, I am very impressed with you already. But Roland Fleischer was the Nazi judge, judge who judged the people who were supposedly connected with the plot of uh, uh, January, January 20th, uh, 1944, to mm. kill Adolf Hitler with a bomb uh, put there by uh, Colonel uh, Stauffenberg in the uh, German headquarters in East Prussia. And uh, they, they gradually widened and widened and widened that net uh, to include hundreds and thousands of people with only the most remote connection to the plot and, and eventually brought into the plot as a plotter, uh, none other than one of the most successful uh, Nazi generals, uh, Erwin Rommel, a, a person whom we hate. I mean, he, he made it possible for the Nazis to seize various areas and then kill all the Jews in them. So, and by the way, that included North Africa where there were some Jews and the Nazis worked very hard with the local Arabs to kill them. And, uh, but, uh, this this January uh, this, this January sixth thing, uh, it, it means nothing. Tis a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. There's there was never any kind of plot. There was no damage done. There was no one killed. There was no except one Ashley Babbitt. Yes, killed by the Pentagon by the uh, Capitol police. police. Who on earth? Who on earth would dream that in America? There would be a commission, a Lord High Commission, of people who would be investigating other Americans who just happened to be ha walking by and happened to see uh, a demonstration, a peaceful demonstration against the President of the United States, a peaceful demonstration. And I seem to be the only person in the world who actually read President Trump's speech to the crowd behind the White House prior to the crowd marching down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol, in which he says very explicitly, no matter what you do, you've got to make this nonviolence. Peaceful, said it, clear as the bell. How can there possibly be an issue that there was a, this was an insurrection? Insurrections do not involve the leader of the insurrection saying, you've got to keep this peaceful. That's not what Lenin said. That's not what Trotsky said when they were storming the headquarters of the uh, constitutional government uh, under the, uh, under uh, who was the first that president, I forget his name, it doesn't matter, uh, who was the pre president, first uh, Menshevik president of Russia. What, what are they investigating? They're investigating a completely fake conspiracy, fake injuries, fake deaths, fake damage, a fake attempt to take over the government. You and I, I believe, uh, Dr. Carol Roth, have worked for the government. Have you worked for the government? I'm not sure whether you have or not. I, I have not. I don't think I the know, government well, likes well, me very much. Okay, well, <laughs> I, don't I, have, I don't think they would have me, Ben. Oh, yes, they would. <laughs> and I, I, I have worked with the government in many different capacities. The government isn't run by an empty building. The building was not in, the, the, the house was not in session at the time that the demonstration took place. Nothing was happening there. They could have seized the whole place and set it on fire, God forbid. And would not have had one tiny bit of effect on the government of the United States of America. 
But instead, it's being made to seem as if they were going to seize the government and then start issuing orders to have the tanks rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, arresting Democrats. That's all made up. The whole thing is made up. Just like Watergate was just made up. There was no plot in Watergate. There was no plot in January 6th. This is all made up. The only plots are Yiddish word. The only plots are plots <laughs> of the Democrats to make it seem as if they're plots against them. There are no plots by the Republicans or by the conservatives. The only plots, again, are these fake plots to make it seem as if the Republicans are subversive and seditious and thereby to take away the democratic process from the government of the United States. This is a very dangerous situation indeed. Very well said, Carol. All right, so a couple of things I wanna pick up on. First, um, I totally, I'm sure you didn't mean to, to make this connection, but you mentioned the sound and the fury. And when I think about the sound and the fury by William Faulkner, it's a story told by somebody who was mentally handicapped. And that is the story of January 6th is a mentally handicapped story. First of all, these Democrats were saying that they were so fearful. Nancy Pelosi just went into the middle of a supposed war zone in the Ukraine. She's so afraid of things. She's not afraid of getting taken out in Ukraine, but she was super you know, scared of the guy who was dressed up to go to a football game, who's walking around with her, his podium. Second thing is that you know we, we keep hearing about all the guns that the you know Republicans and the far right have do you think if there was actually an insurrection planned that they're showing up unarmed with you know a couple of guys in cosplay? No, they're showing up with massive, massive arsenals. That was like the worst insurrection ever. How do you have an insurrection of people on the far right and there's not a, a any sort of weapon to be found anywhere? It makes absolutely no sense. It's laughable. And the fact that we are still talking about it bothers me to know. No, you're completely well, wait, wait. You're with, all, with all due respect. Carol, God bless your soul. But my reference to a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing is from uh, William Shakespeare, not William Faulkner. No, that's what I'm saying. That you did that. There's the, the other connection William, too. Uh, yes. But, yeah, <laughs> but it's from it's from an extremely famous, maybe the most famous poetic play playwright uh, line of all time from uh, William Shakespeare. I think from the, la the last act uh, of Macbeth, but I might, be, I might be wrong about what play it's from. But anyway, get the whole thing was, there was nothing, there was never anything to it, except that the Democrats with their customary craft and stealth glommed onto it with their filthy, bloody paws and made it seem as if there were a plot against the United States of America. There isn't. The plot against the United States of America is being done by the extreme left, led by people whose names I can't even pronounce, but they're, they're all women I want to have sex with. And I, they are all trying to make us scared of conservatives and the Republican Party and scared of well, the exercise of free speech. And there's something seriously wrong with the Democrat Party 
but reaching so far down to the bottom of the barrel as to make Americans think that a peaceful demonstration it, is a re rebellion. It, Carol, it, pretty much what they're trying to do is extend this as long as they can before the next presidential election. I mean, let's be real. The, the Mueller investigation took, what, two and a half years? And there was absolutely nothing found. They are trying to extend this as long as humanly possible because they still think they could play. I mean, think about the thought police. What, what, this is really what it comes down to. They have a bunch of emails from this guy Eastman, who's a good man and who's had to spend, who, who, was, who was Trump's lawyer after at a certain point, who's a good man who's had to spend boatloads of money on defense. And the most he could see from his emails, Carol, is that he was asking Pennsylvania to release, to take back absentee ballots or something. Again, a question, not a demand. And again, nothing to do with January 6th. They're trying to soil everybody in one felt swoop, Carol. Yeah, but here's the crazy thing is that it's not working. I mean, we're in a scenario where people are really struggling right now. We have record inflation, the highest in 40 years. We have record prices at the gas pump. You know, people are- Highest day today, highest for, day today. Yeah, yeah, people are concerned about what's happening to their 401ks. These are the things that are impacting people on a day-to-day -day basis, regardless of what party you belong to. When you talk to the average person on the street, do you think they care about January 6th or do you think they care about what's happening at, at the gasoline station? No, good, good point indeed. And I, you know something, in LA, we don't talk to people on the street. We are all, dri <laughs> we're all driving. We talk to people on the phone in our cars. That's not true. We do talk to people at the gas station quite often. We talk often. to people at pavilions. We talk yeah. to people Roll down your window, yell out, yell at people as you pass by. No, we talk, we talk to people at pavilions, which is a very wonderful grocery store. Here. But question, question. Does anyone really think there was danger of the government being overthrown and by the government being seized by uh, seditious people like in a, the, the opening uh, yeah, You know what, Ben, War. the answer, can I be honest with you, is the left is so mentally ill and deranged. Yes, I do believe that. They have lost, if they ever had their minds, that Donald Trump did something to these people's brains that were already damaged. He, he just totally malf... What's your major malfunction, Private? He absolutely majorly malfunctioned their brain, Ben, to the point of no return. I mean, look at this... And, and, and the, the, I just wanted to bring up before I have two financial specialists with me, before I get to uh, the, the market in a second, this jackass, the Minister of Truth, right? <laughs> That's her name. Uh, just like out of like 1980. The one that sings the show tunes? Yeah, is this what we're talking about? Yeah, Nina Jankowitz. <laughs> uh, she believes now, Ben and Carol, that uh, that verified users, as people with a blue check mark on Twitter, uh, like her, should uh, be able to edit people's tweets to add context. This is the minister of truth for the, she wants to be able to go into people's accounts, Carol and Ben, and say what they think they were thinking. Here's well, the it's thing. a terrifying situation, terrifying situation. 
I, I'm a blue check on Twitter. First of all, blue checks on Twitter shouldn't even be allowed to be on Twitter. Most of them are reprehensible, but she's invented something that already exists. It's called a reply. If you want to add context <laughs> to the tweet, you hit the reply button and you say, I don't agree with the tweet. Here's my take. Or you quote tweet and you say, here's my take. And that adds context and people can decide whether they like your context or not. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a typical millennial kind of thing that they keep inventing these things that, you know, exist like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, food from a box. It's like, oh, you've invented a vending machine. Congratulations. <laughs> now invented replies to Twitter. Congratulations, perfectly, Nina. You're a genius. Perfectly well said. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, really perfectly well said. Ben, I so you're you, if people would have listened to you and I often say this and I've said this with Carol on the show for the better part of 30 years, they would have made a lot of money just inventing, investing in the Dow and the, and the spiders. Now, as you brought up a rational that the, about the markets and the volatility, and as you mentioned, you don't worry about the market too much. The problem is Ben, if, yes. if we were, to, if we're led to believe, and we believe that the people that are running this country, whoever it is, is trying to destroy this country. My biggest fear is part of that destruction is the markets. But I could be totally wrong. I don't think there's a normal cycle anymore, Ben, is what I'm saying with these people. They are out to destroy Americans and make them hurt and suffer. And I don't think they care how they do it, Ben Stein. I don't think they care how they do it at all. In fact, I think they're happier the more people they hurt. But uh, whether or not they're clever enough to uh, work out this uh, harm through the financial markets, um, that I seriously question. And of course, there are not that many Americans who have so much of their savings in the stock market that if the stock market falls down, uh, even quite significantly, that they're going to be impoverished. Even their pensions? Even people that live a... Well, yeah, yeah even so. In, in their IRAs? I, I don't know. I'm asking you this as a no, question. As, I don't as, think so. I don't think there are. I don't think that there are people who have so much of their money in that that, that it could wipe them out, even if there are a very substantial drop in the uh, overall markets. I, I could be wrong about that, but there's never been such a case, let's put it like that. It could be that there it will be a case like that. There has never been such a case so far. And then usually that tells we got a something. lot of questions, by the way, on this uh, via okay, we'll email today. We'll no, 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 no. I'm saying people scared to death yeah. about their their, their IRAs well, or, or, and stuff. I know. Well, there were, but but look, look. You yes, could calm I'm them sure down. That's, right. that's your job. Thank you. My my job is to tell them the market is still fantastically high compared with what it was ten years ago. Fantastically high. Uh, there's no reason to believe that uh, it will go down forever. No market has ever gone down forever. This one won't either. Uh, if you uh, leave your money, your money in the market for as long as you possibly can, you will come out doing pretty well. Uh, and there never was a time when I would have advised people to put 100% of their savings in the stock market. But if they have a, a mixed bag of assets with lots of diversity, then they will have, uh, they will have, uh, They'll do okay over long periods of time. There's there's no evidence at all that there's going to be an unlimited decline in the stock market, except in what I would call fake securities 
like uh, cryptos, which are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, are just fakes. And, and Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's best friend and partner, uh, said long ago, these things are fakes. I, I have my own fat old self talked to Mr. Buffett about this. And he says, there's just, no, there's just nothing there. And there is, there's nothing there. So that, that investment, I think, uh, is a real serious problem. There may be some recovery because there are people who are out to manipulate the market all the time. I think in general, uh, people who are invested heavily in cryptos and are counting on cryptos to bail them out in their old age uh, are very possibly in for some disappointment. And we don't pray that they do, by the way, because we, we don't pray that no, anybody loses no, money, no, Carol. No, no, no. no, no, no. But getting back to my question, Carol. Yes. So, you know, a number of things to talk about, you know, the, the competitive advantage of the United States, you know, is the history of free market enterprise, you know, is the innovation, is it capitalism, and, you know, the, the best and biggest companies are typically publicly traded. And so that's, you know, what you are investing in. So if that innovation goes away, you know, if Microsoft goes away, if Apple goes away, if United Healthcare goes away, if all of these companies go away, we're talking about like an apocalyptic situation. Like I feel like we're all going to be concerned about other things other than, you know, our stocks. And so that's what you are investing in. Now, granted, the Fed has manipulated the market. They have disrupted risk um, for really the better part of 15 years. But to Ben's point, over long periods of time, if, if you, I think we talked at la about Ron Popeil in one of our previous uh, talks, you know, if you do the set it and forget it, and you continually add and you dollar cost average when it's down and you don't panic, that over time, you have to be in, you're never going to be able to time the market perfectly. And the issue is, if you miss those big up days, if you miss like the biggest, the 14 biggest up days in a 10 year cycle, you're going to miss most of the gains in the market over those 10 years. So the best thing, Warren Buffett, going back to, you know, Ben's a, a huge fan, he always says, to be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful and people are getting fearful. I do think that there's probably some way down for the market to go and we're gonna see a lot of volatility, but at some point it all goes back to valuation. And at some point these companies are gonna be attractively valued. You have companies with a ton of cash on their balance sheets. They're gonna be buying back their stock. They're gonna be supporting the price. And so, you know, you don't need to get in today, but certainly I wouldn't be a seller. Um, you don't, you never want to sell when it's down, right? That's the, that's investing 101, but, you know, figure out the prices that you want to get in at, and then start, you know, nibbling back in and, and putting that money in at the lower prices as well. So that over a period of time, your average cost is down and you continue, um, you know, to have money in the market. But again, caveat, not financial advice, talk to financial advisor, diversify, do all those things based on your objectives. Well said, but <laughs> if I may say so, when you're talking about those various corporations, they actually make something, they exactly. do something. Whereas uh, uh, the cryptos don't do anything. They're that's just a pure fake. Um, it, it, but one more question. Uh, and listen, you, you might disagree with Ben on cryptos and a lot of people do. And a lot of people disagreed with Warren Buffett when he wasn't buying all the tech stocks in the late 90s. And I remember this. They were calling him old. They were calling him out of touch. They were saying he was he had lost the Buffett touch. 
And what? I remember as the bubble burst, Buffett didn't lose his bubble. <laughs> there, there was no bubble in the Buffett. And okay, as we're running out of time, there's one last question I want to ask both of you, because I don't think a lot of people understand this. Obviously, everybody understands what bull market means. Uh, what exactly <laughs> does a bear market represent? So the market, let's say, is at 31,000 right now, 31,500, let's say. What does a bear market mean and look like, Ben? A bear market is generally, although there, there are variations all over the lot, is one which is down 10% and stays down 10% for a certain amount of time. But other people say it has to be 15%, and some even say it has to be 20%, but it means a market that is down substantially from its highs and stays there for a while. If it just stays there for a day or two, that's not a bear market. And, and uh, I will say, uh, most Americans who are in the stock market now have never seen a really serious bear market. There, ha there have been some bear markets. And we, ha we had a bear market in technology at the time Judah was mentioning a moment ago. Uh, but uh, for a bear market in the industrial sectors uh, overall, we have been blessed not to see that. And I think we've had good enough Federal Reserve policy not to let that happen. Perfectly well said. And and to I know we'll go two minutes over, three minutes over. And Ben, the Carol's Ben's point when he's talking about uh, crypto, he's talking about they have no content, right? And and I'm thinking about this Netflix lawsuit uh, where where the investors and with a lot of these tech companies, they they're built on a facade. A lot of these companies they were really riding high but when you delve deep and i was looking at this the other day carol the number one movie in america on netflix is u.s marshals that's a movie from 1993 okay that's how bad their library and content are and if you're a netflix investor you have to be shitting bricks right now carol because it, it, the, the, a lot of these tech companies amazon has product Net, Netflix doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I, see, I don't agree. I don't agree with with that in, in entirety. I just think that the valuation got ahead of the product that it did have. And there, you know, this whole concept of valuation that used to be where uh, people like myself hung my hat on back in the day has been disrupted by easy money from the Fed. So the, none of these companies were trading based on valuation. They were being tra uh, trading based on momentum. So the problem with Netflix couple things. One is that during the pandemic, you know, they didn't really invest in content because they shut down all the production. So these big name shows, the Bridgertons, the House of Cards, the Crown, they weren't producing these marquee shows. So if you don't have that reason to sign up that month to see that must-see show, you might not want to continue your subscription now that you have so many other choices. So I think that's one issue. The other issue is that at the scale that Netflix is at, they are a mass company and they had a little woke moment and the woke moment is a niche strategy. So if you wanna be a niche content provider, that's fine and there's a market for that, but you're gonna get a niche company valuation, not a mass company valuation. And I don't know if you saw it today, but Netflix came out with a, a new thing for their employees that basically said, 
we're standing behind artistic integrity. And that means that there may be some, you know, things that we produce that make you uncomfortable. And if you're not good with that, we're not the right place for you to work. And, and they saw that in their stock price and they're now changing the tide. And this is what happens with everything. We can have these woke attacks. We can have the ESG push, but eventually when the company is losing money and it has to respond to shareholders, that eventually goes by the wayside and they refocus the business on making money. And I just and, and just to counter that as we're closing out, remember when remember there was a company called Blockbuster and it <laughs> yes. was on every corner in America and it appeared overnight on every corner. And within a, you know, a Adapt little bit of time, die. a little time, there was no more Blockbusters. Ben, this is the last thing because people need reassurance now. And and I know way, I'm not, I, I, not, nothing I've said with respect has anything to do with with, uh, with Netflix. I'm talking about. No, no, I know. I was uh, asking her a separate the, question. The, crypt, the crypto is a totally different. No, thing. no, no, no. I understand that. I was asking you. I was, I was simply saying you're saying there was nothing uh, to cryptos, and I'm also saying a lot of these tech companies. There's nothing to some of these tech companies. Well, I don't not, know enough about them. To yeah, that. that's why I was asking Carol. On that note, Ben, but people do need some reassurance. Tell them what they should invest in. <laughs> I, I was waiting I, for you I, to I, say I, the I, last I, two things you I always did. Say, oh, I, just buy the market. I mean, buy them, buy the market and hold on for a really long time. Just buy the spiders or the Dow and just hold on for a really, really long time. And uh, over long periods of time, you or your children or grandchildren will do really, really well. But uh, you have to hold on. And I might add, if there's nuclear war, if uh, the Mr. Mr. Putin actually goes completely crazy instead of just goes nuclear. I mean, instead of going ninety percent crazy as he seems to have done, then all bets are off. Right, Carol, where could people find you, and how could they get your book? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Carol J S Roth. If, only if you have a warped sense of humor; otherwise, you're not invited. Um, and then I always say, buy my book. You know, if you want to walk the talk, please buy my book from a local small business bookseller. Or if you want to buy it online, Bookshop.org fulfills from local small business booksellers. So the war on small business support small businesses. Thank you very much, Ben. One more question somebody has for you. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, how about the QQQ? Are you from? That's QQQ. A I'm very, very familiar with that. The QQQ is fine. That's a high tech uh, index. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't think that's the right thing to buy. The, I think when I say buy the market, I mean buy the whole market, buy the, buy the widest possible dispersion of stocks. And the QQQs are uh, high tech companies. Sometimes there's absolutely nothing there. Yes, those are the, just the NASDAQ that is the high flyers, it's the growth companies. Those are the ones that are hurting the most right now. The broadest measure of the market is the S&P 500. So that's why you recommend that. Well, there are even, there are even broader measures than that. The S&P 500 is 500. There are, there are, there are, there are ones that are 5,000. Right, but in terms of sort of the, the main market that people are talking about, three major indices, that's the it's one. 500 that's, is yeah. great. Perfectly said, both of you. I want to thank Carol Roth from the bottom of our hearts and remind everybody. Ben I'm very, Stein very sorry I was late, Carol. I beg your pardon. 
Ben, you could find Ben. Your partner has been been given. <laughs> ben, you could find Ben. She was great. I emailed her before, and she was totally understanding. Great, and I, I thank you. You can find us benstein.substack.com. You could constantly find Ben at spectator.org. That's the American Spectator. Spectator.org. If you have a few extra dollars, throw it the Spectator's way. Uh, they are the oldest, one of the oldest, and one of the best. And you could also find Ben. On Newsmax, and you could find me at therightdudes.com as well as here. That's the right dudes, not the right Jews. Ben <laughs> Stein, please take us out. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on in the beauty of the lilies. Christ is born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. His truth is marching on. And good night to everyone. And God bless America. We need it so badly. God bless you all. God bless America. Thank you so much. We will see you Saturday night. Be safe. Good night.